Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the spymaster director of our mystery shopping report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Well, we're back. Your auto uh, rescue team. Uh, we're here to serve you, to help you. And uh, you heard from the introduction that uh, we're a car dealership show. A car dealership show. We're not a car dealership show. We're a consumer advocacy, advocacy show. And I am a car dealer in full transparency. But we're here to help you. Uh, we are here to help you avoid being taken advantage of uh, when you buy a car, lease a car, maintain or repair your car. So uh, it's a fun show, too, if you haven't tuned in before. Uh, it isn't all about information. You know, they, that can get boring. We're just not going to saturate you with uh, suggestions about how you can save money when you buy a car. It's almost impossible, by the way, to save money today when you buy a car, by the way. It is truly a seller's market. And uh, we'd love to hear your experiences. That's uh, what makes this show work, is your, uh, your experiences, your comments. We have a cadre of really uh, uh, cool callers out there and texters and information comes flowing in and we try to keep the information flowing out as fast as it comes in. Sometimes I think uh, it comes in faster. We really have some outstanding uh, observations, suggestions uh, from all over the country and the world. Uh, if you uh, have a situation with your car mechanically, computer-wise, electronically, fixing your car in simple terms, uh, we got a guy here in the studio, Rick Kearney, uh, that can just about answer anything about the mechanics or technology regarding a car. Uh, high tech, as you all know. If you have a car today and you bought a car in the past four or five years, there's probably stuff on the car you don't know how it works. I mean, I'm a car dealer. I've been doing this since 1968. I, I've got buttons and switches on my car right now. I'm not quite sure what they do. Don't push the red one. Oh, God, yeah, the ejection seat. I did that one time. But, uh, no, uh, it's, we really have created um, cars that are beyond what we need. And so you have questions because five people buy the same car. Some people don't use the cruise control. Some people don't use the infotainment center. Some people don't use the navigation. Uh, some people do. Some people uh, have different types of uh, smartphones and does he Bluetooth pair. I mean, it gets pretty complicated. Rick Kearney. And you can call Rick at 877-960-9960 or call any of us at that number. That's our main line, really, I guess. Uh, although I think we probably get more text and anonymous feedbacks. But uh, it's kind of the heart of the show because we hear your voice. And uh, we're communicating like uh, human beings are supposed to communicate, I think. And uh, there's, a, there's a certain amount of... Uh, 
information you can transmit via telephone, the old-fashioned telephone, that you don't get with text and Twitter and email and the rest of it. But you can text us, too. And that text number is 772-497-6530. You can write that down. You probably don't have a question right now. Maybe you do. But write it down. You will if you listen for a few minutes. 772-497-6530. And as I say, we're here to help you buy, lease, maintain, repair, or just chit-chat. You know, we have a, we love to hear your anecdotes. We love to hear people out there uh, who have been in to buy a car or maintain your car and how they go. You know, if you have a car dealership out there that's really treating you right, let's hear from you. Uh, if you're a Honda a customer and you buy, you like Hondas and you know a good Honda dealer somewhere in your area, let us know. We plug good dealers. In fact, we have a list of recommended dealers, a, recommend, a list of dealers we don't recommend, and we score dealers. And we do this with our mystery shopping report. But hearing directly from you is really cool because you actually have been in there sometimes recently and you get some good experience. We have some people that report excellent experiences with car dealers. Love to hear from you. And of course, we're on Facebook. Uh, a lot of posts on Facebook. My son Stu Stewart sitting right across the street, right across the street, right across the table here. Uh, he hey. gets he gets the text and uh, and he gets the uh, uh, Facebook. He gets Twitter. We don't do too much uh, Twitter anymore, but we do YouTube, and that's Rick Kearney. Rick is a YouTube uh, collector, so uh, you can watch us, you can listen to us, uh, you can text us. Uh, we're Communication City here. Our coolest one, I just love. Uh, anonymousfeedback.com. I mean, that that is, uh, I, I don't know why I like it so much. I think I like it because nobody else does it. And I can't figure out why nobody else does it. Actually, I, I can figure it out. A lot of people just don't, I say people, customers uh, like to tell you what they think. And businesses sometimes don't like to hear what customers think. And there's a certain amount of, um, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're talking face-to-face -face or with email and they know who you are, sometimes you just don't tell it like it is. But with anonymous feedback, boy, you tell it like it is. And so that's the reason we have that, that uh, line. It's youranonymousfeedback.com. It's actually a URL. It's actually a link. youranonymousfeedback.com. And we get some cool stuff on there. You can say anything you want. We censor it a little bit. I mean, we don't want we don't want to have profanity or obscenity or any of that kind of stuff. But we will basically translate it into legal language, so we can get the message across. So we get the spirit of the message out. The that's spirit, for sure. yeah, yeah. And uh, we have a lot of people out there that we know are dying to just really come after us. I mean, some car dealers, uh, some politicians. Maybe even uh, the Attorney General of the state of Florida or some other Attorney General. Uh, you know, we, we're kind of hard on the legislators because of the fact that they don't really, um, well, enforce the law the way they should. And, uh, and the regulators don't enforce the law. The leg legislators make the law. So if you have a, an axe to grind with Earl on cars, you're anonymousfeedback.com. 
You can even identify the agency, but you don't have to identify yourself. And we can't find it. It's totally anonymous. There's no way we can break the code there and come through. We can't hack it. We don't know who you are. So uh, give us a shout and uh, let us know what you think. And that's what really makes the show work. Uh, before I go any further, I want to introduce Nancy Stewart. Nancy is my co-host. Uh, she's been with us for 20-plus years. She's a female advocate. She has a super offer for you. Uh, I don't know. Can I say female? Lady? No. Woman? Woman callers, I believe, is a preferred uh, noun today in political correctness. As, as a co-host, co-founder. Mm -hmm. I've changed that terminology. Okay, so We'll get to that in a second. So you women that would like to call the show, we'd love to hear from you. We want to get up to equality in this show. We're almost there now, about 50-50. You buy half the cars. Uh, you make half the decisions. You should make half the calls. That's simplistic, but the way we look at it. And with that said, I will turn the mic over to Nancy Stewart. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. We so enjoy your company. You make the show. Uh, I do have to say uh, one thing. Smart, bold, wise, great visionary, leading us in the right direction. In the right direction, meaning knowledge and power. I'm speaking of Earl Stewart. And what a great job he has done. He doesn't like it when I, well, compliment him. But I have. He's very deserving of it. Ladies, for you, I'd like you to share your car purchasing, servicing experience, how you were treated when you walked into the dealership, whether you, well, walked in with backup, meaning another person. You purchase and are a huge percentage of the auto industry. More than 50%. Um, I don't have my stats in front of me at this moment, but uh, it's, it's way up there. It's probably 85% now. Mm -hmm. But uh, this morning, I offer you, ladies, $50 for the first two new lady callers. Ka-ching. Yes, the first two new lady callers. I got $50 for you. Anything at all. Anything at all. I'd like you to call 877-960-9960. And as Earl said earlier, you can also text us at 772-497-6530 if you'd like to. Well, if you're a little shy, uh, they also, also applies to www youranonymousfeedback.com and uh, gosh we have a, a great show uh, I, I mean it, it's always a fantastic show and you know why because you the listeners, the callers the Facebook texters the YouTube, you're all a part of this and without you we wouldn't be here so join us this morning and remember that Mystery Shopping Report Wow, it's another doozy. I mean, a real doozy. And Agent Lightning, who my hat goes off to, because she is a woman mystery shopper, and uh, she went out to Phil Smith, Phil Smith Kia, in Lighthouse Point. And, uh, well, 
you want to stay tuned for that. Now back to the recovering car dealer. I'm going to kick it over to Stu Stewart, and uh, he is uh, monitoring the text, and uh, he's also the in charge of the Mystery Shopping Report. And uh, we, uh, I agree with it. We, we actually have a, a Mystery Shopping Report that was prompted by a Wall Street Journal article. And uh, I was interviewed, uh, was it two weeks ago? Yeah, that's right, Nora. Uh, About that. And uh, I wondered what happened to the article, and then I, they asked for some customers that we had dealt with that she, that she could interview directly, so we gave her a list, and sure enough, one of them got interviewed, and the story and the Mystery Shopping Report uh, derives from that experience. That's right. It's kind of a, it's the most recent um, um, edition of a series we're doing on price gouging uh, that's uh, resulted from the inventory shortage that uh, every car dealer is experiencing nationwide. And uh, so the point is, uh, cars are, are there's no cars, and dealers are overcharging and taking advantage of the situation. And uh, we were stunned when we spoke to um, one of our customers who had shopped Phil Smith uh, Kia, trying to buy a new, a new Telluride. And I'm not going to give anything away. You got you got to wait till 9:30 for that. That's like Fort Lauderdale area, Lighthouse Point is a little. Yeah, it's like just way. south of Boca near yeah. Deerfield. Yeah, over on the coast and yeah. uh, little community. And uh, we know Phil Smith, well, Phil, Phil Smith passed away, um, I think, five years ago. Um, but we knew him, you knew him really well. Yeah. And um, we knew his family. And uh, so um, this, he's, he has a general manager running the store now. I don't think anybody in the Smith family is active in running the dealership. It no. just has the name. So uh, this is not a slight on the Phil Smith family, who we admire greatly. But um, you <coughs> just, just stay tuned. <laughs> and we're going to continue the series. Agent Lightning will be in the Orlando area looking for a Telluride for next week's show. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's see, let's see if lightning strikes twice. Wait, that's, <laughs> she I, just, I think she has. Yeah. She's, she's, she's yeah. lightning and striking twice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So anyway, I'm really excited to get to that. And if you're ready, we can get to some text. You know, you know I'd like to mention Susan uh, was certainly a driving force, and that's Phil's wife. Yeah. And uh, what a great couple, very involved, uh, very uh driven yeah and uh, in the they, community they're philanthropists and uh, everything knew their yeah. daughter sean she was really cool yes yeah exactly so there's some really they were some really great people that uh, led the auto industry yeah. back to Stu. yeah phil will be missed okay we're going to start it with uh, Anne marie's text yay and, Anne Marie. Uh, i read it just a minute ago so i'm going to i'm going to get to rick but i'm going to take my shot at answering it first uh good morning i understand <coughs> that many new cars connect to the internet this prompts two questions. One, how does that work? Two, why would I need a car that connects to the internet if I already have a smartphone with its own communication and navigation systems? Thanks. That's from Amory. Oh, P.S. Here's wishing that everyone has a happy and safe Fourth of July. We do too. Oh, thank you. All right. So, how does that work? It's a, uh, the vehicles are equipped with a cellular um, uh, radio, and it commutes, uh, just transmits and uh, receives uh, internet signals. Um, if you're not using your phone, you still need um, that for uh, internet radio, navigation. Oh, navigation, sorry, uses a GPS signal that's separate from the internet, correct? I'm looking at Rick, nobody knows why I'm pausing. <laughs> it does, but having the internet connection Connected also services. allows it to use such things as traffic and weather updates right. so that you can, and uh, road closures, things like that, right. so you get instant up to the moment information on what roads are right. good to travel on. Plus the, and I'm going to turn it over to you here again, uh, the connected services. So your vehicle um, right now can um, 
communicate with the manufacturer and we're not quite there yet but we're at the point where problems with your vehicle like a, a check engine light comes on we'll communicate with the uh, manufacturer get to the dealer things can be diagnosed and even fixed over the air um, the uh, car that I'm driving right now and the car that uh, Earl will be driving hopefully if he ever gets his uh, his Tesla is um, does updates it's like a phone with wheels and it updates over the air um, um, re- regularly just like your iPhone does so um, Rick uh, connect the services maybe you can get into that a little bit more well one of the issues that I see that would be solved is uh, when the newest body style of Tacoma came out, they had a new engine, new transmission, and they changed the programming for that transmission like six times in the oh, first yeah. two years, trying to get the shift patterns down correct for the real world. And people kept coming and complaining about the transmission, and we were constantly reflashing that. That information could now be sent over an internet signal to the car, and then when you shut the engine off, the computer could say, okay, just like your home computer, we're gonna update that reflash. It takes about two we're rebooting minutes, your car. four minutes. <laughs> and it does it while you, you know, the moment you shut your car off, the computer goes ahead, does its updates, and boom, you're back in going again. You don't have to go to the dealership to have that stuff taken care of anymore. The computer would simply do it right over the internet while you're parked at home. That's so cool. We're just driving computers. Mm-hmm. I'm still exactly. looking for the control and, delete and, and the overall answer to Anne Marie's question mm-hmm. is that everything is connected to the internet right. and your cars refrigerator are, and, will be and cars of well yeah they, and refrigerators have been yeah. and uh, and everything is uh, this is what life is all about in the 21st century so the your car is going to be autonomous and and uh, it's going to be uh, almost uh, like part of Google it's going to be part of the internet so absolutely. yeah and it, this is how Big Brother keeps an eye on you too yeah absolutely Uh-oh. hey Welcome to the 21st century. Hey, if anybody gets uh, just a little sidebar here, anybody gets a chance to tune in to a series, Dr. Bull, Dr. Jason Bull, last night we watched something that was uh, unbelievable, and it was about a company uh, that was accused of killing one of their employees uh, because of a self-driving car. So uh, I uh, digress. I'm going to go to the phones uh, where... Howard has been waiting patiently. I thank you, Howard. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Fourth of July. Thank you. Happy Fourth of July. And uh, here's my question for Rick. Uh, My son lives in New York, and he's looking for a car, and um, he wants to know if it's a good idea to get all-wheel drive in a northern climate. and uh, what, what is the maintenance on all-wheel drive, and, uh, and would it help in snow? All-wheel drive is almost a necessity for northern states with the snow situations, and the maintenance really is not all that much more complex. Uh, depending on the model, there's the differential and the transfer case that would also have to have fluid serviced like every fifty to 100,000 miles, or some of them not at all. There's not even a, a maintenance recommendation for it. Um, as for the operation of it, handling in the snow is a huge improvement on any slippery condition because all four wheels are getting power and traction at the times when the computer sees it. And traction control now, along with all-wheel drive, has just made them incredible. Uh, 
it's almost at the point where pretty much every car should be all-wheel drive. They should, yeah. Okay, now I have a, uh, a Camry with traction control, and I could turn it off if I wanted to. Why would I add, Why in the world would I want to turn off the traction control? When you want to burn your neighbor's yard. <laughs> there, yeah, there are times that I tried that. <laughs> people just like the idea of being able to turn off some of the computer controls. Uh, it's like my 97 Tacoma that I had had a button for the transmission that would switch it from normal to power mode. And all it did was delay the shift points a little bit. Uh, there was really no, re no need for it, no reason. The engineers just put it in to give you a feeling that you had a little more control over things. And that's really all it is. Yeah, the, the computer knows better than you do, Howard, uh, when to turn things on and off now. And, and as we get more and more advanced, uh, to override what the computer thinks is the right thing to do is usually a bad idea. And as time passes, it's going to be even greater. I, uh, a lot of the accidents now that occur in the air are because the pilots don't believe their instruments. And they try to visually, manually override decisions made by the computer in an airplane, and uh, that gets them in big trouble sometimes. Same thing is true with a car. Yeah. Okay, now in a Sun Belt area, you really don't need all wheel drive. Is that what you're saying? No, actually, if you have the opportunity for a choice of cars, and all wheel drive is one of those options, I would go for it. Because hmm. who's to say you're not suddenly going to need to travel to a snow state? Exactly. Uh, who wants to travel to a snow state? <laughs> <laughs> well, on the other on the other side, as I was driving home last night, I got caught in one gully washer of a rainstorm. That all-wheel drive would be a very nice feature to have sure. when you've got okay. heavy rainfall and the water's rising up a bit. Hmm. I, I never thought of that. That's, that's a good, good observation. Point. Thank you, Rick. Very good. good. Point. Okay. Thank you. Let me sign off now and saying to play talk to you guys again. Happy Fourth. Happy Fourth. I'll be talking to you again. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Howard. We love hearing from you. Happy Fourth to you. 877-960-9960, um, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Back to the ladies. Ladies, sometimes, well, uh, things are definitely getting better, but sometimes uh, we're not heard, uh, not always taken seriously, uh, but some of the well, car dealers have taken it seriously because uh, this is one way to put it. It's a financial disaster for auto dealers not to get it. And uh, with ladies out there uh, that are, I said 50% earlier, mm -mm, 85%. And I want to reach out to the ladies this morning and remind them they can win $50 for the first two new lady callers. First two new lady callers, $50, win-win situation. And you can reach us texting Stu. You can YouTube Rick. We're all here for you. 877-960-9960. Now back to Stu. Can Excuse I, me. You got a call? We got a call. I like calls better. <laughs> okay, Marty. Marty is our regular caller. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. Welcome. I've got a question for Rick. Uh, 
my 2020 Camry on the armrest console, I guess you would call it in the, the console cover, every so often I get like a creaking noise out of it. If I push my hand down on it while I'm driving, the noise will go away. So my question is, is there anything they can do for that in service? Like a brick? You can keep a brick on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Sounds like something's Either rattling. Either that or have to drive with somebody else all the time with their hands on it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, noises like that, sometimes we can, by replacing the part, it'll reduce that noise quite a bit. Uh, other times we may even add a little bit of foam somewhere to try to uh, basically uh, fill the gap kind of thing to try to tighten up the tolerances a little bit. Sometimes a bit of adjustment on a couple of screws sometimes to adjust just, that tension. Sometimes you just go like that. Well, that's the first step. I would you never do it. that. No. Why would you abuse a car like that? Honestly. You, that poor car didn't hurt, do anything to you. You hurt, Rick. <laughs> I used to, my feelings. I used to ask my dad that question. He'd walk up to the TV, boom. Yeah, and it worked but, probably yeah. most of the time. Percussive mm-hmm. maintenance. Probably worked most of the time. It did. Yeah, <laughs> now, Marty, uh, most, most likely uh, some adjustments or worst case, we just simply replace that console and see if we could reduce that noise for you. Okay, now when you say replace the console, does that mean take the whole thing out? Pretty much, yeah. See, I don't like that. I find, <laughs> what, I find when you less. see the cost of it, you'd really yeah, wouldn't like it. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Well, it's still, I'm sure, under warranty for it. But uh, I was thinking of just stuffing, like, some kind of foam rubber or sponges to make the cover be very tight. And I don't know if that would do anything. Well, we've, we've done that sort of thing, too. We keep a whole stack of pieces of foam on hand. It's adhesive on one side. It's just a various thicknesses of foam that we can use to tighten tolerances and quiet noises like that. All right. So I'll I'll have to bring it in and uh, see. I I just don't want the whole thing taken out because I find sometimes you find more trouble once you start taking stuff all apart. That can happen. Yep. Screws on that. You know, I don't I don't see anything that you could tighten up. Uh, sometimes the screws just kind of are hidden. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll make an appointment and eventually get in there, either that or get a second uh, passenger. Okay. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Marty. Right. Call again, please. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Anytime. Bye. Thanks, Marty. Bye. Happy Fourth of July. Uh, 877-960-9960. And uh, maybe this will be an encouragement to the ladies. Uh, did you consider uh, the comfort of the car that driver's seat that is so important once you purchase that car i want to tell you what you're going to spend a if it isn't comfortable you're going to spend a lot of money on uh saccharilliac thoracic cervical put pillows everything everything and you're stuck with that car and the uncomfortable feeling of driving in it so those are one of the major things that you consider when you purchase a vehicle i see rick shaking his head and uh, there are a lot of callers uh, that have called us in the past uh, about that situation 877-960-9960 texas 772-497-6530 Stu? okay let's get to some more text um 
We have a great one. This is from uh, this is from Negan. I'm, I'm I'm starting to think that Negan has defected over to me. He was a it was one of Rick's YouTube guys, and I think you he were, still is. Okay, I thought maybe because you're you're not no. pronouncing his name correctly that uh, he's, he's just okay. expanding his horizons. Okay, good. All right. Well, we got a great text from Negan. I think Jonathan has a picture of Negan. You can put it on the screen for a second. Um, I learned something new, and it looks legit here. It says, good morning. I was looking at a pickup truck on a uh, dealer's lot. It did not have a Monroney label on it. Um, he, he did a little investigating. He saw on the website for the Department of Justice, it says that pickups are not included. And he sent a screenshot, and uh, it says, I'm reading the text here, and it says, uh, not included as explained in some reference, uh, legislative history um, are pickup trucks. Did you, I didn't know that. I think that's mistaken. I think uh, there was a time, there was a time when uh, pickup trucks were not required right. as cars, but that was many years ago. So uh, that I'll article do, might be. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do a little bit more reading. But that's really neat. But, but it was a um, looks like it was a Ram. Uh, it was a Ram truck, a Dodge Ram, 2021. Um, dealer had a $10,000 markup in ADM plus another $2,100 in added um, equipment. That is uh, one of the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, the, the uh, Monroney uh, law applies to all uh, passenger vehicles. And it is, uh, I think to uh, commercial trucks might be a different story. I'm not really sure about that. But I think that passenger uh, trucks and cars, uh, SUVs and the whole nine yards, since... 1958 have been required to have the Monroney label. Yeah, I mean it's that's very unusual. But I'll do I'll do a little googling when I get a moment when I get a caller or something, oh. which is now. Right now. I'll be googling. Uh, this caller is from my hometown, Pennsylvania, Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Good morning, John, and welcome. Yes, hi. Uh, I have a question for uh, 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 Rick. I have uh, 2000 and. Um, 17 uh, Prius Prime, and my question is on the state of my uh, battery charge. When my, yeah, I, I guess it, it comes down to love. My car says it's full, and I get uh, 30 miles on it, but my question is, is my battery really fully charged, or is it only 70% charged or 80% charged? The hybrid battery is never going to be fully charged. It's always going to be fluctuating its charge state up and down, and that's a completely normal thing. As long as you're not getting any warning lights coming on the dash about it, just let the computer do its thing, and it'll take care of that system better than anything else. Okay, well, well I, I, I guess it's because when I first started off with it, I was getting a range of uh, 32 miles, and now it says I'm getting a range of 35 miles. I was just wondering if there's any way that could actually be increased through a software update or something like that, because I know when it doesn't go below a certain uh, uh, percentage on my dash, so I'm just wondering if they, if they, if, if, if they maybe have like an aftermarket software thing that will actually change that. No, and I, I wouldn't do any sort of aftermarket modifications on that system. Uh, that would be, it could be very, very bad and devastating for the system. Uh, things such as your tire pressures being changed a little bit, uh, your driving habits, even the weather can cause your mileage to change up and down just a little bit. Uh, as it gets hotter, the air conditioner is going to have to work harder, and all these things are going to use more power. 
uh, your tires, changing even to a different brand or set of tires can change fuel economy by several miles per gallon. And even just the air pressure by bumping it up uh, just three or four pounds could cause a big difference in your fuel economy. Okay. All righty. Thank you. You're very welcome. Boy, that um, PSI is so important. It affects so much. You know, I mean, you're uh, filling up uh, that gas tank, mm -hmm. uh, wearing out your tires, it, on and on and on. And another thing a lot of folks don't take into account is the amount of stuff that they carry oh, in their car. The trunk. The added weight <laughs> yeah. causes a big difference. <laughs> so getting a lot of that stuff out of the car that you don't need will actually help improve your fuel economy quite a bit. Well, Including you, extra people. What do you do if that you too? really need uh, what you have in your trunk? I was referring to my husband. I keep him sometimes in the trunk. Mm -hmm. I take him and I... <laughs> <laughs> When he gets radical on the road. Nancy uh, hijacks the car and Earl's <laughs> quietly in the back, muffled. She can't hear him yelling. That's what they used to do in my old neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, I have a little follow-up. I did Googling, and I found the uh, uh, Justice Department webpage that, that Negan, which, by the way, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I, did, I didn't send Jonathan the picture. We have a picture of Negan. I mean, he can put it up. But on the website, it is true. It says they're exempt. But if you go down another paragraph, it says under a related statute, um, uh, manufacturers and importers of new vehicles have to affix it on cars and pickup trucks and everything. So I don't know if it was originally event, uh, it was probably originally exempted and then yeah, a follow-up legislation. Was. It was, yeah. yeah. The yeah. last uh, legislative change to the Monroney label, uh, I knew this, but I was reminded is when they had you had to add the fuel efficiency standards. And that was 2012. They had to add those. Um, were you able to get the picture up? Cool. All right, you'll see on the replay. <laughs> Um, okay, let's move along. Oh, you have a call? I do. Good. Okay, we're going to go to Palm City, where John is waiting. Good morning, John. Great to hear from you again. Thank you. Good morning, and happy July 4th. Thank you. Uh, Nancy touched on this topic briefly, and I want to uh, expand on it. Earl Stewart, all his life, when he was only 17, he owned one of my favorite cars, but I was only in high and still in school like he was, but... He had a four, he foresaw the fantastic cars, including his order of the Tesla Model S Plaid. Now, I want to say it. He had an open letter that was published in the local publications to Elon Musk. Uh, Musk. And at the end, I want to quote what he said, which is true. And Earl spotted that car when it first came out, took a test drive on it, and quote what Earl says. He was drawn to it because it's the best and most exciting automobile ever built. And that happens to be very true. And then further proof on this, you should get the article that was in last Saturday's Wall Street Journal on this particular model, the Model S. And uh, I can't say enough about it. Uh, it's the future. It's the most fantastic car, but Earl spotted this from the beginning and knew this would be a success. And he was smart enough to order it Unfortunately, many people won't be able to afford it, but it's the car that nobody could criticize, and people should read this article in the uh, Wall Street Journal. Second thing I want to say is I have a question for Earl. Uh, dealers in Florida are one of the few states that allow a dealer to issue, only a dealer can do it, a duplicate title. Now, that can be very dangerous 
as Earl could probably expand on it, um, it, it right here in Stewart, a dealer did that, selling cars in consignment. It was Blue Wallen Motors in 2015. He went to federal prison. Yeah. He was issuing duplicate titles on cars that he did not own. He had them on consignment. Mm-hmm. So can that be, as Earl opinion, can that be very dangerous, that idea that a Florida dealer can issue a duplicate title? Yeah, I think we, we, we have precautions that we can take. It's uh, it's a great convenience to be able to do that, and you have to use uh, a lot of uh, care when you do it. Uh, but we, at our dealership, we do duplicate titles. We have to get affidavits and to be absolutely sure that it's justifiable. But if you're if you're a crook uh, like this guy in Stewart, uh, you can you can do it and get away with it for a while. And as you say. Uh, he's in jail now, so it didn't work yeah. very long. Yeah, there's um, most of the titles now are, are they're electronic titles, and they're, they're stored you know, in a computer. Um, you can get paper copies. I think at some point the the scheme would unravel if once a, uh, a registration doesn't match a title. I think um, eventually it, it's a very short-lived scheme. I think eventually it will catch mm-hmm. up and you get caught like this guy got caught. And there's some states that allow this. Some states are uh, you know, the probably Mississippi and New Jersey are two of the states that are the um, the laxest title laws. So you can end up with a flood car or a total car with a new title and never know about the uh, history of the car. So, uh, but there's about six states that are just absolutely crazy about that. Florida has got some good rules in Florida as far as titles go. Well, probably with the electronic now, I'm sure it voids immediately if somebody comes up with the original title like the owner of the car, yeah. and that would probably be void immediately. So I'm sure with the electronic filing, <clears throat> that makes it easier yeah. to trace the history that void. <laughs> well, again, I congratulate Earl and his taste of automobiles for entire life. <clears throat> he spotted them from the beginning, and that actually was my favorite car. I never could afford it. But I did later on, <clears throat> I won't go into it, my favorite car, which was the most expensive car at the time, <clears throat> was a 60 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. Wow. And I was in school then, and in 1970, I was able to find one that had 52,000 miles on it. Wow. But five years later, it had a problem. It had factory three carburetors, and one of the carburetors flooded and set the car and had an engine fire. So, unfortunately, I didn't keep it. I collected the insurance and got rid of it. But again, Earl with Tesla saw the handwriting on a wall, and this is the car of the future. I'm just lucky that I was able to uh, to get such a revolutionary car, and I, I haven't got it yet. I've got it on order, but uh, no matter what you say about Elon Musk and Tesla, uh, he has uh, created one of the most amazing cars on the planet. Now, you know, 10 years from now, there'll be a lot of competition, but right now he pretty much owns the market on what he's doing. and. I thought it was a unique time in history to own that car. Congratulations on ordering it, and hopefully the competition will knock the prices way down. Oh, it will, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> definitely. All right, well, John, happy July 4th. Thank Thanks. you so much Thanks, for John. your, thank you so much for joining us every week. Uh, John didn't mention the uh, how fast the car goes. Uh, this is where I get into the trunk. <laughs> That's right. You think it's bad now. <laughs> and uh, John was mentioning uh, 
I think it's bad now. John was mentioning, <coughs> excuse me, uh, prices. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what a great time for you to sell your used car. Wow, you're gonna make out on that one. Uh, everyone is in need of the used cars. There is a shortage, so take advantage of that. We're gonna go out to California where Evan is giving us a call. He called us last week. Welcome back. Hi. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, I'm calling because um, I just wanted some advice on uh, on how I'm going to keep my uh, 2007 Corolla going. Uh, last week when I when I called, um, we had no idea if the if the car was going to pass the emissions test. Right. And uh, fortunately, uh, I got after I got it, I got the oil change, drove it around a bit, and. Uh, it passed the emissions oh, test. Oh, awesome! So that Great. yeah, that was a uh, that was a uh, uh, you know sigh of relief. Nice okay, surprise. we got over yeah. that hurdle. That's great. I was worried about that because I didn't, you know, you're kind of in the pickle. Before we realized that you had the emissions testing, we're like, oh well, don't worry about it. You can it'll last. But that little wrinkle, I'm glad you made it past it. So so now um, this is what happened. I I got my oil done at one of these real, you know, behind the gas station, small, tiny little, you know, one-man shops. And, you know, it's California. I, I called a few places. They were charging, you know, $100 uh, oil changes here. So, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I got to be careful because uh, there's a lot of rip-offs out there. And when I was at this oil change place, uh, the, the guy who, who, who did my oil said, well, he said, let me t- he looked at my car, he said, let me tell you what I can do for you. And, and he, he gave me some prices. He said that I should uh, uh, change my transmission fluid for $80. And that makes sense. I haven't done it for at least two years. And then he also said that I knew this was true. He wanted to replace my front uh, brake pads for $150. Uh- and... Transmission fluid, no. If it's if the car is shifting normally, leave it be. Two thousand seven has black. The, I'm sorry. Even if it's black, the transmission fluid. Well, you you said this car. You're just trying to keep it going for a little while yet, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I want to keep it going until. Uh, you think that uh, like November, there's going to be. A lot of cars for sale, and yeah. that's how long. Save yeah. that eighty bucks. Don't spend that. Yeah. Uh, the brake pads. If now here, here's where I would pull out the Missouri attitude, the show me state. I would say I want to you show me my brake pads, and if they are below two to three millimeter thickness of the friction material, then yes, mm-hmm. go ahead and put a set of pads on it. Just replace the pads. If you're not getting any serious noises or any vibrations when you step on the brakes, don't worry about resurfacing the rotors because you're looking to economize and do things as cheap as possible just to keep this car operational. Transmission fluid, if that car is shifting normally, just leave it be. It's not going to hurt it to go another two, three years, even if that fluid is dark and discolored. It's going to be normal for it to be discolored anyways. The brake pads, 
if they're getting thin enough, then yeah, you want to get those replaced because the thinner they get, the faster they wear because they can't dissipate the heat. So mm -hmm. that last little bit can wear out very quickly and you don't want to have that happen and have a safety issue with your brakes. Yeah. Is $150 a fair price for, for front brake pads? If it's in parts and labor and everything included, yeah, 150 is pretty fair for putting on a set of pads. Okay. I'm having to be careful uh, about things. I have things. a question about the belt. I haven't, done, I haven't had a service on this car for like three years. So take a flashlight, shine it on the belts. If you don't see any cracks in the rib sections and the edges of the belt don't look like they're frayed or anything, leave them be. Leave them be. So don't, don't go to a shop because I know a lot of shops will try to, you know, say you need to pay mm. us, you know, $800. Mm. Ridiculous yeah. They're going to, they, right now, shops are hungry. They want to sell you everything they can. They're going to give you all these horror stories. But a lot of this stuff, if you just take a flashlight and look at it, you can pretty much tell whether or not it needs to be replaced. And drive belts, if you're not hearing any noises from it, squeaks or squeals, and you look at the surface of that belt, if it's clean, you don't see any big cracks in it, leave it be. It's fine. Okay. Evan, thank you so much. Do you have any other uh, questions? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. Um, in terms of used cars right now, I, my loan, my pre-approved loan for my credit union lasts for about another 45 days. And I was thinking, I've been looking, you know, at the different uh, prices of cars and consumer reports. I subscribe. I'm looking at the reliability. Um, I mean, it, for used cars, is this something that you think it, there's going to be just prices are going to be going way down in, you know, in a couple months, or is this going to be lasting? Because I do have what my wife, my wife keeps telling me she doesn't feel safe in our car. So I have a little bit uh, of that pressure where I, I don't want her to feel unsafe, but at the same time, I don't want to get fleeced either. Right. Yeah. By, you know, certainly by November, I, it's different by manufacturer. Um, just speaking from Toyota, because we, you know, we're a Toyota. We have a Toyota dealership. Um, we're expecting to see inventory start to return to normal, normal beginning in the end of August, in August and September, and by the fall, wow. um, we should be um, close to normal. And I th and once you see that, uh, see dealers uh, right now are they're 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 loving it. <laughs> and but as soon as there's more availability, the um, the, comp the competitive pressure is going to build back again. Dealers will drop prices to to get customers, and that's what's going to happen. Right now, the it's a uh, it's a seller's market, and that's going to change. Um, so if you can hold on just for a couple, a few more months, I think you, you'll, you're going to be in a much better position. Evan, is she safe yeah. enough in the? Uh, is she safe enough in the car for, you know, the, the next couple of months? I think she will be. I'm, I'm going to tell her that in a couple months we're looking at a different world uh, for car, you know, car buying, yeah. and it won't be like it is right now, where it's no. you know, pr uh, pretty insane out there. Yeah, it, it is definitely. I agree with you. Very crazy microchip problems uh, I could name uh, a few here we don't have time uh, but uh, the, the consumer report boy what a what a great magazine this is and the last couple of months 
Uh, I don't know how it's going to affect uh, car buying in, in a couple of months, but uh, some of the latest additions are showing prices for used cars that are unbelievable. And uh, I'd take a look at it. Uh, like I said, I and don't that, know. That's what I saw. Is that a lot? Of, I, I looked at the consumer price range, and then I saw what the what the dealerships were, were asking for, and you know they were above the top the top level. So that meant that if I went to buy a used car, I'd be you know paying you know way more yeah. than I should. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just amazing what's going on right now, but things are going to get better. But like I said, Consumer Report, what a, a great magazine. Um, Earl and I. Can I ask he, one more question? Sure. This has been going on for actually the last three years. Uh, the, the tire pressure light keeps coming on my panel, yet whenever I had somebody uh, check the tire pressure, like I had this this person check it and actually a year ago I had to replace the battery I had AAA coming out and whenever they checked the tire pressure they said oh yeah everything's fine but uh, when I was driving uh, recently it turned on again so I was just wondering you know your take is this something just broken with the sensor or the, could it be a bad wheel what, what do you think it might be most likely, uh, if the light comes on when you first start the car and it blinks for about 20 or 30 seconds, then stays solid, that's indicating a bad sensor. But if it's just coming on at random times, probably what has happened is someone has set the sensitivity, the, the threshold level, too high. So the car wow. thinks that you've got a low tire when, say if you're running your tires at 35 PSI, and that threshold is set like at 30 or 32, once those tires get a little bit down near that level, it's gonna trigger that light to come on. And of course, the temperature of the tires you're driving is gonna bring it up and it's gonna turn it back off. Uh, what you'd wanna do is actually have that threshold reset. You should have a button down under the dash. That, yeah, I do. Okay. Set your tire pressures all down to about 25 to 28 pounds. 25 is a good level. Press and hold that button until the light blinks. And when it has blinked mm -hmm. like three times and then gone out, release it. Wait about 10 minutes and then reset the tire pressures back up to where you normally run them. And that will reset that threshold level down at that lower level. And then when you, it'll, should keep that system operational for you. Okay. Evan, thanks so much for your call. Sure. And following yeah. up with us. Good luck. Definitely. Stay in touch. I will. Okay. Yeah. Happy bye -bye. Fourth of July. Okay. Uh, lady, lady, ladies and gentlemen, um, I want to take a moment and mention um, Earl's Vigilantes. Uh, I think uh, Jonathan can put uh, Earl up there. He's got his hat on. Uh, but, but do you consider yourself an auto expert? Uh, I'm not saying you have to take an engine apart, uh, but uh, we're all tired of the car dealers and their dishonesty. And uh, we do what we can here. Not uh, all the car dealers, the show. But, but a lot of them. Of course. Uh, so we do what we can right here on the show, but we need your help. And uh, you can join Earl's Vigilantes and you can help consumers in your community. Um, you can help uh, yourself, us. So it's a win-win situation. You can go to Earl on Cars 
and you can pull up Earl's Vigilantes. And uh, not only that, but uh, now that uh, most of us know that you can go to the internet to shop for a vehicle, well, uh, some of us uh, were not as savvy uh, on the internet, and uh, the the volunteers we need for that to, you know, sort of guide. Uh, the seniors uh, into uh, online assistance would be extremely helpful. So go to Earl on Cars and uh, sign up and help us out. 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530. www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to Stu. Okay, so... Uh we have a, a question from Linda on Facebook. She wanted to know a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, did you get your red Tesla yet? And no. Nope. Which the answer is no. Um, no updates? No emails from, from no, Elon? Not a word. Nothing. No. Nothing. Nothing. Um, I had a joke to make, but Jonathan didn't like the picture. Uh, put it up anyway. <laughs> I was going to joke that you got the Tesla. Here, I'll show you what the picture looked uh, we like. We were talking about that last night at, what, 9 o'clock? <laughs> I was going to show Earl and Nancy this. I said, yeah, you, you got your Tesla. And Linda also <laughs> wants to talk about the Tesla fire that came out on the new Plaid, um, the Plaid model, like the one you're getting. And supposedly it was a, um, a Tesla that, that caught on fire while driving, not in an accident. In China. In China. Yeah, like I said, I don't know how much uh, of it is accurate, but I guess we'll pay attention to it. But, you know. Things happen. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You'll be uh, fine. <laughs> I think the picture looks pretty good. That's, that's showing off my, my Photoshop skills. All right. And I'm concerned about speed. <laughs> Look at it. All right. We have a text from Everett. And Everett says, good morning. I have an older Toyota Avalon in good condition that I wish to sell. How do I advertise to maximize the sale price and safely conduct the transaction? Love your show. Thanks, Everett. Well, Everett this is the best time you ever could have picked to sell your car on your own. Uh, put that car on Auto Trader. Um, that is the premier nationwide uh, marketplace for used cars online. And right now, people are looking all over the country for cars. So I don't know where you are, but you're, you might get calls from out of state because um, people the used cars are so um, in short supply and you're going to get top dollar for your car. So now's the time I recommend... Um, Auto Trader. I don't recommend Craigslist because it's a little less uh, regulated, and there's I've heard all sorts of horror stories about Craig, Craigslist. But stick with Auto Trader; you should be good. Gone are the days where you put it in the, in the newspaper classifieds. Nobody yeah. looks at this. It's a seller's market. The only good thing about today's market for the consumer is when you become a seller. You have a car, and you can sell it. If you don't need it, sell that used car and get out of the top, and uh, wait a few months, and you can buy another car new one, used one, and, and save thousands of dollars. So um, you want to exercise your option maybe to buy your lease car too, yes. Uh, I was just going to say, tell, tell us, you were we were talking about yeah. uh, when we were coming in uh, to the show, uh, what your considerations can be with a lease car now. Mm -hmm. So take advantage, ladies and gentlemen, this is the time. Increase that bank account. Now back to Stu. Joe sent us a text. Uh, it says, my wife is looking for a new SUV. And about 80% of them, she sat in the car and we immediately left because the seat didn't adjust high enough for her to see. Well, she's four foot ten. The Volvo was the highest. Why don't the manufacturers see this problem? Well, this is uh, like we talked about yeah. week after week. Uh, Steve yeah. up in New Jersey kind of brought this issue up. We started talking about the crash test um, being designed for adult men. 
um, and women and children are, are ignored. Smaller statured people are ignored. And also, it goes with visibility, not just uh, crashworthiness. Yeah, and car, car manufacturers and dealers are in business to make a profit, obviously, and that's the whole capitalist system, which is, I think, the best system we have in the world. And so there's some capitalism factors that are just uh, cold uh, and um, simple facts of life that uh, manufacturers do what they can do to make the most money. Dealers do what they have to do to make the most money within the rules and the regulations. Sometimes ethics uh, get bent, sometimes the law gets bent. Uh, four foot ten, um, there's not a whole lot of people out there driving cars that are four foot ten. And so you have to build a car uh, based on the maximum profit you can make to the maximum number of people. And average people are benefit because they're average. Uh, if you're six foot ten or six foot eleven, you're not going to be able to be very comfortable in a car. I got it. And you're four foot ten. You're not going to be very comfortable in a car. Yeah. How tall are you, Rick? I am five foot ten. He's perfect. And a half. You're the yeah. perfect size for a car. Yeah. You're, you're pushing the. You're six five. You're, you're pushing the envelope. Well, yeah, true. But Small I'm, cars are out of the question yeah. for you. No yeah. Miatas. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, on a more serious note, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, it's uh, only been recently. Uh, that, uh, you know, women, uh, children have been taken into consideration and uh, these tests that should have been done quite some time ago are only recently, and uh, I cringe when I say the word recently, they should have been included in the uh, testing of the vehicle and the safety. And uh, they, what I have read, uh, it makes me uh, stutter uh, that there are more uh, small people, um, say women and children, who are in accidents in the passenger seat. So, uh, Rick, did Donovan, uh, was he talking about that last week, or did he mention something else? Uh, Donovan actually, I believe, was talking more on the Tesla issues oh, okay. last week. Okay. I can't remember the uh, the caller right now. But we, dun, da, 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 we need sound effects. Um, <laughs> We got them. We just got to use them more. We have a first-time caller, but it's great. It's Marty. Marty? Hello? From Delray Beach. Good morning. Yes, how are you? I'm in the situation we were just talking about before. I have a, a Volvo that the lease is coming due in three months, and it makes the residual value is very good. It's less than what I wanted to resell it. So it makes perfect sense for me to buy the car, which I want to do. But I'm one of those people I've never... I've always leased cars, and I've never had a car that has been off warranty. And that's my only fear, to actually buy a car and not have a warranty. What would be the best way for me to get some kind of warranty? Uh, go back to the dealership or just do one of these, these callers that I get? I don't know. When that's does what concerns me. Marty, when does your lease expire? November. In November. And when? Uh, and then you'll be out of warranty at that point? It's a three-year lease? Yeah, I'm actually... It's a 39-month lease. It's a 36-month warranty, so I'll be out of warranty actually in about a month. Okay, I'm going to suggest uh, getting out of the lease now. Um, don't wait until November. Uh, you can, um, it's, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but it's likely that the vehicle is worth more than what the residual is right now. Yeah, I already found that it was. The vehicle yeah. uh, residual is 41. I, I right. So you can. You don't have to wait until the end of the term to do this. As long as the um, you pay the leasing company, um, what the residual is, what the payoff is, they don't care. Then you can right. turn around and sell it or drive it as long as you want. Well, I'd actually like to keep it. What I'm concerned is what would be the best way to get some kind of warranty? Like I said, I'm 
afraid to drive a car that doesn't have some kind of warranty in it. I've never oh. done it before. So. Oh, you, yeah, when, when, when you buy it out, uh, just uh, what state are you in? Florida. Florida, okay. So um, extended warranties, service contracts, they're regulated by the state of Florida. It doesn't mean you're going to get a good price, but it means that a uh, car dealer can't just wheel and deal and arbitrarily give you a big thing, a big, big price for the warranty. But when you when you buy it, you're going to have to go through a dealership, and you can inquire about this warranty. Well, just let me uh, jump in there. They, the regulation strictly means you have to put the price with the state insurance commissioner's office. That doesn't mean a, a dealer can't put... Uh, way, way too high a price. You could put, you can sell a warranty in Florida for a million dollars if you register that with the state. Uh, but they won't you, sell very many war- warranties. <laughs> yeah, when you register no. with the state, you can't change the price that you sell it for. So there's very little protection. And uh, one other thing, Marty, I would just say this. I know how you feel about warranty, but I, I suggest you think about the, the way cars have improved today. You know, 25, 30 years ago, running out of warranty was something that you could be concerned about. Today, if you take, if you buy a good car and you take care of it, uh, the car is not going to be. Uh, you, you don't need an extended warranty. You, if you've got a good car and you took care of it, maintained it according to the owner's manual, I wouldn't be hung up about getting another warranty. Uh, and if you have a car that needs another warranty. You know, next time you buy a car, you should buy a better car because today's cars last a long, long time, and the warranties aren't nearly as important as they used to be. Okay. Well, you know, I've had the car for three years, and it's been perfect. I have an XC90. But, yeah. Um, but one thing I did, I called Volvo Financial. They told me I can just send them a uh, check directly. I don't have to go through a dealership. And just send them a check and that takes care of everything. Be careful out there. If you're buying a warranty, there's a lot of, it's probably one of the biggest bogus things going on now today are these warranty companies. Yeah. I get calls, everybody I know gets calls, emails, texts. Uh, uh, they, 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 they will disguise themselves as the manufacturer or even the state. Your warranty's expired, you know, warning. So, it's just, uh, it's really um, dangerous. Uh, stick with a manufacturer's extended warranty or a dealer you can trust, and then read the warranty carefully to be sure you know what you're getting and what you're not getting. Okay. Okay, all right. Thank you very much for the information. Thank you, Marty. You're welcome, Marty. Give us a call again. And, you know, the same thing applies to your uh, auto insurance. Oh, goodness, three prices, please. And also, if you've been with one particular company for years, check it out because you can probably save yourself a whole lot of money. And as Earl said about the warranties, look out. It's a minefield out there. We're going to go back to Stu. Okay, Steve in New Jersey has a text um, uh, tagging on to the uh, smaller statured issue. <laughs> it says, Hi, Earl Steve from New Jersey. Last week I called to talk about front seat uh, safety for women, particularly those who are small in stature. Uh, you mentioned that most don't read the owner's manual. For safety reasons, my advice is to at least look at the manual to review a particular car's safety systems. For example, the 2021 Avalon owner's manual, page 39, states that the driver should sit at least 10 inches from the steering wheel airbag. And I also suggest pointing the steering wheel slightly downward towards your chest instead of your head and neck. Um, it also states not to put a cushion on the front seat since this disperses the passenger's weight and prevents accurate detection. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve, thank you so much for that information. Sorry I got your name wrong earlier. Stay in touch with us, please. Update us every single week. What an important.
important topic. You know, I didn't even I didn't know that about the um, angling the airbag, the steering wheel. Um, I typically do that anyway, but I've seen people driving around where it's like Ford, they're almost driving like a big truck, yeah. and yeah, that will knock your head back if that airbag and goes I, off. I have to say that you know, there's there's good things and bad things about reading fine print and reading owner manuals. You have to remember that a lot of the fine print now in the legal department. Exactly. The the lawyers decided it. They know that I mean it's like um, on a ladder. You don't say, stand. Don't stand on the top rung of the ladder. There's a lot of really stupid things that go in the fine print and the lawyers put it in there just to cover themselves. Yeah. Like hair dryers. The manufacturers. So so uh, if if you're an obsessive compulsive person and you read the entire owner's manual, you'll be so paranoid, you won't ever want to drive the car again. And we've had so, a caller that did just that. The car, the, 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 the real law, and you lawyers out there listening, the real law says that uh, when you build a product, it's got to be safe. Yeah. And you can cover yourself in the fine print, or the lawyers can try to cover. But in the, in the bottom line is, if you build a car that's not safe, and you are injured, and you, sh- you 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 took reasonable care to drive that vehicle or whatever the product is, then you're you have a you, you have a right to sue, you have a right uh, to, to have a safe product. So, don't get too hung up on the uh, the angle of the, uh, the steering wheel, and right. you know. Right. Don't hang up on that. Don't use your hair dryer in the bathtub. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't stand on top of a ladder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Excuse me, Stu. Yep. Sorry, I had to take my headphones off. I have a couple of questions for you guys. Uh, let's see if I can remember. My neck's killing me. You have to call the show. Uh, hey, 877-960-9960. Um, <laughs> uh, you can hear, ladies and gentlemen, I am working as a woman, the only woman in the studio with uh, I'm going to include Jonathan on this. Four comedians. <laughs> Excuse me, four men comedians. Okay, guys, help me out here. Lumbar adjustment, uh, all of the features that you can find in a driver's side seat. You don't get in the passenger. Why? Steve, tell me. I know why. Why? And Steve, guess what I have to do? I have to take my pillow off my seat whenever I'm driving. I did not know that I would be, you know, more apt to be, well, dissect uh, if I were in, you know, uh, a, an accident. And I got some pretty severe problems. So what the heck do I do? I mean, when I'm in Earl's car, his Lexus, there's nothing in that passenger seat for me in order to aid whatever comfort I need. Which is unusual because what I, how I was going to answer that is it's an opportunity for an upgrade. I know that the higher trim levels of the vehicles, for example, like uh, like, like in the Avalons, you, you couldn't get a eight-way power seat on the passenger side until no. you spent all the money and went to a limited version. But in the case of your um, your vehicle, that's pretty much top of the line. So I'm I'm surprised that it doesn't have all the creature comforts, um, you know, as the driver's seat does. And maybe it's just because it's cost, you know, and, and most people drive by themselves. I mean, not, not everybody's a passenger, so yeah. it's the same thing. They, they, they build and, and sell for the averages. Yeah, good point. Okay, I got a question here. It says, uh, good morning. Is it true that Toyota is discontinuing the manual transmission after the 2020, 2021 models for the Tacoma? Um, I hadn't heard anything about that. I don't know if Rick has any information on that. 
No, I'm unfortunately with stuff like that for the new newer models coming out. I'm the mushroom. Uh, kept in the dark. Okay. But is there any reason for a manual transmission today? Some people just really prefer. No, I know that. Yeah. But I'm not saying no. because they Preference. want it. Yeah. In, yeah. Preference. You can't possibly shift better than an automatic no. transmission. But in the, in the Toyota's lineup, the Tacoma is the last vehicle now yeah. with a manual transmission in the U.S. Yeah. That's a yeah. toy. I mean, if you want a manual transmission today, you, you get it in your, in your Maserati and yeah. your Lamborghini, and, and you can make a lot of noise. And, yeah. But you're really not going to improve the efficiency no. or the speed or anything else about a car with a stick shift today. Yeah. Is there an advantage like off-road driving uh, for, for a manual? Uh, not really, uh, although there are manual transmissions. Or, uh, I'll say it as... as they're less chance of an issue because there's no electronics to it. It's simply moving yeah. gears and gear loop. Yeah, it's definitely the clutch. It's, it's like you said, it's a more preference. of a chance to yeah. strip your gears. Well, yeah. there is that, but there's <laughs> right. also the the that. wear on the clutch. Uh, yeah. If you're not good with the clutch, you could wear out a clutch in five thousand miles or less. I was good with a clutch, <laughs> uh, ladies. <laughs> I was uh, taught my three daughters the same. Uh, then I taught them how to ride a two-wheel bicycle anyway uh steve's calling us and uh, he's been with us before and he's calling from new jersey hey steve one of my favorite places good morning steve <laughs> good morning i i just uh I'm, thanks for reading my text i also wanted to follow up earl on something you, you, you just said about be careful when you're reading uh stuff in the owner's manual other places because the lawyers like to put things in um, the, the things I referenced in my text about uh, sitting 10 inches or, or more away from the, um, the steering column, um, that's recommended by National Highway Safety. Uh, and the reason for that is that, and Rick can probably talk more about this than I do, but when the airbag is exploding, there's a certain distance you really need to be away from it so that uh, when it comes into contact with your face, that it's not still expanding when your face hits it. Uh, and so that's the reason why the uh, National Highway Safety uh, has uh, recommends 10 inches or more. And that's what's in the owner's manual. Um, and the other thing about the airbag, especially for when you're sitting in the, in, um, on, this, on, the, on the driver's side, when the airbag expands from the steering column, if your steering wheel is pointed up, it's going to primarily uh, propel itself towards your neck and head. And when people get airbag injuries, it's typically more so because it hits their head and neck, which is the weaker part, instead of hitting their chest. So um, sometimes um, you'll find stuff, certainly in owner's manuals and other things, that are put there by lawyers to protect the company right. but in this case that's actually based on um, real true safety needs um, the other thing I would say is that um, when I mentioned that I, I included that other thing about the um, where the Avalon owner's manual said about the seat cushion I guess the older airbag systems were more rudimentary uh, whereas the new ones now they're very sophisticated there's sensors that uh, can measure a person's weight. I think when the airbags are propelled, they're, they're, uh, they recognize to a certain degree the size of the person. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to 
maybe question some of the stuff you read uh, and don't take it at face value and say, well, it's just here because the lawyers suggested there to, to mitigate liability. And that's why I think, you know, when we read stuff like this, we should question it, but also look to other sources to see what, you know, what, what's legitimate and what's not. And I'm not trying to be overreactive to this issue. I just think that so many people, they get in their cars, and now, actually, more and more, our cars are safer and safer because of all the uh, intricate safety systems that we have. But at the same time, I think it maybe there's a little bit more of an onus that should be placed on the owners to understand how their car safety systems actually work so that they can maximize the benefit of those safety systems. That's the reason why I brought this up. Well, Steve, guys like you um, do breathe these and you do take the uh, caution. And as a consequence, you are safer than the average person. Unfortunately, the average person, uh, and I say that, we're in the uh, automobile business, as I say, in full transparency, and we've been, we have a car dealership, and I would uh, throw this out, maybe uh, Nancy and Stu and, and Rick can agree or disagree, but I'd say 80% to 90% of our, of our owners, people that buy cars from us, have never read their owner's manual. Um, I'd say not, pro- not, well, not in totality. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably half of them don't even know where their owner's manual is. So it's just what, what uh, the way the the way manufacturers today have to go is they they're they're trying to build a vehicle that is stupid proof that that people that are careless and do not read and do not take care is still going to be safe. And that's that's the way we're going now. We'll have a car one day. Uh, maybe we got a few now that are pretty close that are just uh, pretty much uh, idiot-proof. You can get in there and drive the car, and you're about as safe as you can be. And that's, a, that's the only going to be the way you're going to be able to take care of the majority of the people. Back well, in the I, 50s I, and I, 60s, owner's manuals told you how to adjust your valves. Nowadays, they tell you don't drink the washer fluid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was changing my own oil. And you know, I took a look at my owner's manual, but you know, uh, that was a, that was a long time ago. I think people usually reference it like for a specific issue; they can't figure it out. But nobody studies it and reads it. And why no, would they? It's no. it's not very entertaining reading. Well, yeah, it's too, they're too they're too long. If they were meant to be re- read, they would be in bold print. There would be twenty five pages or less, or maybe two or three pages. Yeah. And instead, there are hundreds of yeah. pages, and uh, you know the lawyers that you know it's so silly that legally, all you have to do is give full disclosure in any uh, type size you want and the number of pages you want, knowing full well yeah. that the buyer of the product isn't going to read the manual, and that's the way it is. Now they have, in the last maybe decade or so, introduced, yeah. they call it the Quick Reference Guide, which exactly. is a Cliff Notes version of the owner's manual, which is easier to find things, but doesn't have a lot of detail. And some of the Quick Reference Guides are 400 pages. That's quick. Exactly. That's quick and legal. You know what, whenever I, I, I have to, in, in full disclosure, the reason, I guess, why I'm, I'm so um, uh, interested in, in this uh, safety topic is because yeah. uh, no, I salute my wife you. Had some serious back yeah. issues, uh, operations over the years, so it's uh, it hits home with me. And um, and for maybe for the most many people, they don't have like physical issues or health issues that they have to worry about so much when they're in the car. But there are a certain amount of people, especially as we get older, that maybe have other issues. And uh, 
I guess I'm really calling for those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear you. Steve, uh, do you have any other questions? No, that was it. I just wanted to our information to share with us. We really appreciate your call and uh, keep giving us a call. We love your company. <laughs> Thanks, and, Steve. Right, uh, thank you very much. I'll see you guys. Bye. Bye -bye. You're welcome. You know that uh, owner's manual, uh, it doesn't fail that each time I get that owner's manual out, I think of um, a job. I worked in the medical field for a long, long time, and I had to use a physician's medical referral. And that book had so many pages in it, it was totally incredible to get to everything that I needed to inform myself with. But back to uh, Earl and I. I mean, uh, when all else fails, we both look at each other and say, let's get the owner's manual out. And I'm talking about our cars. Mm -hmm. And most people would think that we know everything. You know what he's going to love? But we don't. In the Tesla, uh, the owner's manual is in the screen. There's not a physical book. So while, you're, no. while you pull, you can park the car and hit the owner's manual and search, and it's pretty cool. Oh, It's gosh. actually, and it's a little bit less, it's a little bit less legalese-ish than the typical mm -hmm. owner manuals. It's, it's, it's okay. actually a useful tool. Do you, have a, do you have an option as to whether you want the regular manual or you want the quick nope. reference? Uh, no, you just got a manual. You got one thing, it's uh, online, and it, it's on the screen. <laughs> so that's it. No paper. <laughs> she wants more, more, more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and also on the app, by the way, so you can be in your house, so you can use your phone to look at the owner, owner's oh, manual as well. Great, great, great information. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to. Uh, we're going to go to John in West Palm Beach. Welcome back, John. Oh, hello. Hello. I am. Hi, hello. Hope you're having a great fourth. Uh, I just have two comments. Uh, probably start first with the, uh, since we're on the owner's manual, and lawyers, one of the fine things, I, I never read the owner's manual, uh, but when I had to reset my dad's flex, he bought a used flex, and I had to reset the, um, the door pillar um, entry system, I went to the owner's manual, and while looking for the reset instructions, I came across something about the 2010s, for the lawyers, and this was in the uh, owner's manual, that when we get in our car and we turn it on, that computer starts up and it monitors everything. And it gave instructions as to the, the flex valve. Uh, it said that if you're in an accident, lawyers can gain access to the computer system and, it will, and it's monitoring four things. One was the Bluetooth on, the radio volume, how hard the brakes were applied, and the speed that you're going when the accident happened, and it monitors. It was monitoring those four things. Hmm. I'm sure they've upgraded, and now it's got a whole slew. But the lawyers can now access that to find out what you were doing when that accident occurred. Mm -hmm. And I just found that really interesting, and uh, and I keep that in mind now. And that uh, you know all that stuff is being monitored and. Uh, uh, and they have access. As a matter of fact, I like to have access too, because uh, sometimes when I go to the beach on Palm Beach, you only got one hour parking. I move my car, but how do the the ticket people know whether you moved it or not? If I could pull up the record on the computer that I moved my car within an hour, <laughs> I'd be safe in court if they give me a ticket, because I'll go fight it. Get yourself a dash cam. But um, yeah, the uh, but the second one is. And I wanted to comment on 
for the people that still want the, the manual transmission. Yeah. Send them back to the mid seventy K five Blazers that had the like eleven speeds and the shifting that yeah. you had to do go through to shift through those eleven gears, uh, which were two separate things. It's on YouTube, by the way. They've thrown out uh, uh, how to shift the K five Blazers with the with the eleven gear eleven gear gearbox. Uh, that was also featured, by the way, in the movie Earthquake. And they Chevy Peta. I remember that movie. Throw out uh, the K five Blazer. Yeah, and there's the, they referenced the K five Blazer with the eleven gears. It was it was something new back then. But the the shifting you you had the it was like shifting a race car. Well, well, not not today's race cars. Race cars back when now it's just all computerized. But uh, you should drive a tractor. Try try seeing the shift pattern on a tractor truck that has two and even three levels where you have a set of gears and then you hit into the you actually flip a switch that lets you go through the next set of gears with the same pattern then you flip a switch to go through the next set of gears with the same <laughs> How pattern many gear? 18 gears it's kind of like an 18 uh like an 18 speed bicycle yeah. where you had multiple yeah. derailers right. on the front and back yeah. that's right wow crazy our, our 69 dump truck we had a dump truck that was a 69 1969 the little red button on the gear shift lever, when once you uh, got it, your uh, uh, fourth gear, uh, third gear, I'm sorry, third gear, you pulled up on the little shift. And this is 1969, by the way, and the, and the truck was from the 50s. Because yep. we couldn't afford anything new. But you pulled up on the little red lever, and it, it sent it into a new gear that uh, was a lower ratio. Yep. So it saved gas in that. Way too and, much work uh, for me. You know. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, but we. Yeah, but back then we only had eight gears. It, it, not not the not the eighteen yeah. gears. I have zero gears. But, but it goes. But you know that technology goes all the way back to the fifties and sixties. Oh. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah, John, thank you. Give us a call again. Oh, you're, you're a great caller. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's go back to the past. I used to drive. <laughs> Nancy's going down memory lane. Is it a Barracuda? Er, er, Earl's going <laughs> with his fingers. <laughs> I digress. Mm-hmm. I won't go there. Okay. Uh, he's really getting aggravated. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we love your company. We enjoy you. We hope that you have been just as informed as we have this morning. And I want to tell you, you're a great audience. 877 and uh, speaking of ladies, we have a lady caller, and uh, she's called us before. And uh, we're kind of chatty, aren't we, Mimi? <laughs> yes, we are. I love it. I wouldn't be anything else. <laughs> so, Good morning. I love to listen. And now I have to pick the brain of all you wonderful people. Aww. I called before with my conversion uh, van, Dodge Grand Caravan. It runs very low to the ground, and I had gone over a bump which actually ripped off a little metal strip about two and a half feet by four inches which I'm going to bring over to the um, uh, mobility place in Lake Worth where I've been before and and you've mentioned it. Um, But what happened is when I called last time the uh, swervy light had gone on and uh, um, I think it was Rick told me it could have been a sensor so I was preparing to take it to the mechanic when he came back from vacation 
and since then, I've had the big word brake come on when I brake evidently hard. And then um, last Saturday, I was uh, on A1A, and about 50 bicyclists came rolling around, so I had to brake very hard, harder than ever this time to make sure I didn't hit anybody. And, um, well, now the brake light came back on with the ABS sign, so I take it to the mechanic, and I had not had the brakes done that long ago, so actually my husband did before he died. So um, my thought was, He'll do what he can. He said it. The, uh, all of the diagnostic equipment said it was electrical. So um, I figured after the holiday, I can go to the mobility place, have them investigate underneath. I'm wondering if any of the wires under there influence the wires somewhere else. What do you think? Uh, it's unlikely that hitting anything on the bottom of the car could cause any damage to the wiring because they they put that wiring up high and they run it in very safe locations to avoid any chances like that um, more likely what's happened is there's an issue with the abs actuator and it's starting to see a problem there or maybe one of the wheel speed sensors uh yeah you, you definitely want to get that checked out either the mobility place or they may have you take it to a dealership where they're going to have more accurate computers that can talk to it and see what's going on okay because yeah my next question was how do you find an electric he said go to take it to an electrician he says i can do mechanical but i'm not into electric so is the dealership well once they put the panel back underneath is the dealership my only recourse for an electrician it's not the only but on a system like that it can be the best course because the dealership are going to have scan tools that are specifically designed to really communicate with your vehicle a lot more than the generic systems can. Like oh. my computers, I can I can talk to Toyota computer systems and get way more information and way more in depth, but any other brand, I can only just scratch the surface of what's available. It's because the, the brand specific scan tools are designed that much more in depth. Okay, so basically, for an actuator or a sensor, um, I'm better off paying more and going to the dealership. Yeah, uh, but you can also get multiple estimates on it, have the dealer take a look at it, and they may charge a small diagnostic fee, but then if it's something that's going to be pretty simple, you could have an outside shop replace it. Oh, okay. Um, now, a sensor, that's something that a, a mechanical person can do, correct? Usually, yep. So I should call him back if that's the case. Well, let me go get the estimate, as you say, and pay the little fee uh, at the uh, dealership. All right. And uh, I guess I should go to the, which one should I do first? Mobility, let them fix the bottom? I, I would go there first because then they can also take a look, make sure you don't have anything else damaged underneath. Okay. Yeah, some of those bumps, you know, <laughs> they're really tough, especially on these low riders. Okay, well, appreciate your help. Thank you very much. Mimi, Mimi before you go, uh, it's great talking uh, to a woman and uh, talking the talk. And uh, I'm sure you know a lot of lady friends. Uh, encourage them to give us a call because we do give $50 for the first two new lady callers. And we certainly yes. enjoy talking to you. You're very well, knowledgeable. You oh, dear. I learned along the way. 
Well, thanks again. Have a wonderful day. It's nice talking to you. I hope you're all healthy. Thanks, yes. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. You too. Right. Stu? Yep, we got some texts. Um, this is from, oh, no name on it. I know Earl hates advertising Toyota on his show, but I have to know, what truck is better? No particular year, just over the decades. Toyota Tacoma or Ford Ranger? Don't want to hear check consumer reports. What's your opinion? I think Rick's the only one with an opinion on a Tacoma and a Ranger. Ford F-150. Well, he was asking between a Ford Ranger and a Tacoma. Rangers were horrible little trucks. So Tacoma? Uh, yeah, if, you, if you're specifically with those two, go with the, the Tacoma. They will last, but for some reason, Ford F-150s just, through the years, have been an incredible truck. Yep, and, and it's the number one selling vehicle on the planet. But if you look at old, old, old trucks that are still running, even though they look like they should have been in the junkyard two yeah. decades ago, it's usually a Ford F-150. Yeah. Well, and partly because there are more of them. So if you, that too, yep. yeah. I mean, if you build a million of one particular model, uh, 10 years from now, there'll be more of those million yeah. vehicles on the road. Right. So. Yeah, that's right. Earl, if you're you so smart. If, if, Earl, if you had a choice... I mean, if really, if push came to shove and you had to drive a, a truck, which would you drive, the Tacoma, or would you drive uh, the... Uh, the Rain- Ford Ranger? For, uh, the uh, Ford Runner. Uh, which one would you favor? Well, I, I can't answer that because the caller said I can't check consumer reports. <laughs> That's right. He's, he's, he's constrained. Uh, I, well, he I wanted was, your personal... I, I Personally, I don't have... You know, personally, I believe in consumer reports. I mean, I, I think when you start believing that you know more than consumer reports, that's when you get into trouble. So I don't, uh, if you talk about styling, you know, to me, all trucks look alike. I'm not. Uh, that's true. And I will say the Ranger and the Tacoma, both are fine looking trucks. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go with Tacoma. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Forerunner. Um, well, that's not really a truck. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to go to Palm Beach Gardens where Steve's been waiting. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, I listen to the show most every Saturday for somewhere between 15 minutes and a half an hour and sometimes a whole hour. Hey, I'm negotiating MKT Lincoln at Al Packer, and I'm wondering about, is that on the dealer preferred dealer list that Earl and you guys always put out? Which what was the dealership? Al Packer. Uh, Al Packer Lincoln. Al Packer. Um, I don't think we have Al Packer Lincoln. Um, let me double check real quick. I'll pull up the list. Both Lincoln and Ford. They're, yeah. They're right together. Okay, so I'm looking under Ford dealerships, and under Ford, Al Packer Ford has a C grade, which is, you have to look at that with a little caution, which means they likely had um, a dealer fee, um, but they, they behave themselves. So usually if we give them somebody a C, they're doing the typical tricks, but nothing too egregious. Mullinex is a good yeah. Ford dealer. A, but they don't have Lincolns. They don't have Lincolns? Yeah, they don't... Uh, yeah, because I've been looking for a Lincoln MKT, which is for oh, okay, a yeah, continued yeah. car in the in the line, and they never carry them. And uh, this one happens to be just perfect if it's. Do you know like if Wayne Acres Ford has Lincoln as well? I don't. I don't know that because they they have a B minus, uh, no. a little bit better grade. Okay. No, they don't. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, cause Al Packer's been, good. You know, I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I wanted to know because I do appreciate you guys rating the dealerships. Yeah. Yeah. Go in there. Just. Just. Yeah, you know. Just. Me out of a couple of them. Just, just, just a little word of caution. Like right now, um, you know, like you've probably heard on the show that we, you know, prices are going to be very, very high, 
and uh, there could even be addendums. We, we don't know. We haven't uh, shopped Alpaca Ford during the inventory crunch. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, well, they've been talking about giving me a tremendous amount of money on my 15 Explorer, so. Right. <laughs> I'm going, That's I'm probably true. On the other side, too. So, all right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you, show. Steve. Happy Fourth of okay. July. Okay, okay, that uh, that was our last caller. Yep. Um, we're going to freeze up the lines, and uh, we're going to take a few more texts and maybe some YouTube, and then we're going to get to that, uh, well, fantastic mystery shopping report, and uh, that definitely is going to be very interesting, and it's from uh, Phil Smith Kia, and uh, that dealership is down in Lighthouse Point. Now back to Stu. Okay, I hope Rick gets back because it sounds like a... Uh a technician sort of question. Um, I recently ran over a curb at my doctor's office. It was frustrating, and I'm mad at the office because the curb was invisible. No landscaping or any signs, nothing that would alert a driver that there was an obstacle. Anyway, that is besides the point. I scratched up the alloy rims and took a chunk of rubber out of the side of the tire. There's no leak, um, but is my tire still safe? It's a relatively shallow divot, maybe the size of a quarter, and an eighth of an inch deep, and that's from Barbara G. Um, without Rick here, <laughs> I would say you should probably get it inspected. Um, I don't know how much the integrity of the tire was compromised by that, and I don't think, that seems like a simple thing, I don't think you'd get charged a major diagnostic fee for somebody just to walk out to the car and take a look at it. Uh, you're also risking the fact that you know a salesperson in the service drive, wherever you're at, is going to try and sell a tire, whether you need it or not. Um, but I think safety um, trumps um, risking that because you don't want to get a blowout on the highway. Yeah, I agree. Good, I think that's a yeah, I would scare me a big chunk out of the, side, the sidewall. Yeah. Would scare me. I would want to have a, someone I could trust take a look at it because I, I, without getting measurements and the exact location, right. it's awful hard to. Yeah, and, and, and it, just because it's not leaking now doesn't mean that it's not weaker there and you could hit something in the road that could cause a blowout. Yeah, it's not the leak, it's the yeah. blowout. Uh, danger that it would worry me. That's yeah, right. exactly. I agree with the guys and uh, something that happened to me um, and uh, I definitely had it checked out for safety reasons. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same doctor's office that I'm familiar with. There's one um, in near near Jupiter. Um, Highly Jupiter. unlikely. I don't know. I saw this one. All right, never mind. <laughs> okay, uh, next one. I understand that synthetic oil only requires changing every 10,000 miles. Um, if I wanted to extend the life of my motor and just have a cleaner, better lubricated vehicle, would I get this sort of advantage by changing it more frequently, like every 3,000 miles or every 5,000 miles? No. Thanks. It's Rudy from Louisville, by the way. <laughs> nope. No. no no advantage? Refer to the owner's manual for your specific model because some of them are actually at 7,500. Some of them are twelve to 15,000. Okay. But do what the owner's manual says for your car. And changing oil um, many, many more times is just a psychological uh, good feeling thing that people do that it's not going to make any any perceptible difference. Okay. Go by the manual, as Rick How, says. Exactly. However, check your oil, check the level of it, make sure that that oil level is safe, and do that at least like once a month. Okay. All right. Um, we're just getting through a couple of these things before we get to the mystery shopping report. We haven't um, read any anonymous feedback. We have several. Um, here's the first one. Today, um, June 26, 2021, there was a conversation that using Uber was an alter alternative to buying a car. 
Um, in May, I took an Uber to get the COVID vax. Cost to get there was about twelve dollars. Um, Uber surge charges price um, surge pricing um, on the way home. Two hours later, was fifty three dollars. Same distance. There, there no longer is a way to know what the cost of the return trip will be due to surge pricing, so they can charge anything. Appears they can charge surge pricing anytime they want, since there is no regulations. That's a good point. I think. Uh I think you can do a round trip on Uber. I'm not sure about Lyft, and I'm pretty sure that when you book a, a round trip, you can lock the prices in, uh, which will protect you against surge pricing, but I'm not sure about that. Uh, uh, and Uber prices are up, rental prices are up, so all the alternatives you have uh, are, are high. Uh, rental car prices are crazy high now, and it's supply and demand, and Uber supply and demand and that's where your surge pricing kicks in so yeah uh, if you're going to uh, use uber or a rental car uh, or even carpooling take into consideration everything is higher everything is relative yeah, yeah. it is an unusual i mean interesting thing about um, the regulation of surge pricing i, I mean they're a, a company that can charge whatever you want but in a situation like this this seems like patently unfair to consumers uh, particularly on a two-way trip you know you're spending twelve dollars, I'm going to charge you fifty dollars on the way back. I don't think they do that. I, th I think that uh, it depends uh, on the time, the day, though. I recently, bur I recently booked a trip on Uber round trip, and they locked my price in going and coming. Ooh. So okay. now I'm not saying there could have been a surge, uh, and that they would have changed it, but there was no disclosure. And I was under the impression yeah. that the price that they gave me going That's great. To, if that's the case, then yeah. that would solve that. Uh, Mark just texted, or he said, what is surge pricing? <laughs> so surge pricing is, uh, depending on the demand for Uber vehicles at any particular time, Uber will jack up the rates. So for example, uh, one o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve, everybody and their mother is drunk and they want to take an Uber home. Yeah. And so so you might have a $100 ride for for five miles so that's yeah. that's surge price yeah, and Stu, what about not only the time but what about the location yeah. uh where you an airport live, or uh, uh, yeah where you live i think surge pricing is a great idea because which would you rather have uh in the total inability to get a vehicle at all or have to pay too high a price right. if if i'm if i'm stranded somewhere and you know, on the second you know i, I need to come home uh, i'd rather have the option of paying more money. If you don't have the surge pricing, then you just can't get a vehicle. Like, mm -hmm. if you've ever been in New York City before Uber and you get out of a Broadway show and you yeah. try to get a cab, forget about it. You're not going to get a cab. Uh -huh. So, with surge pricing, you can get a cab. You just have to pay too much money. Good All point. Right. And the last one, we'll get to the Mr. Shopping Report. It says, good morning, Earl. Have you heard anything about the fires in the Surfside building collapse being related to the Tesla and Tesla's in the underground parking? and the fire department not being able to put out the lithium battery car fire. I'm also hearing that the long burning lithium batteries are emitting a bad, thick, toxic smoke. I've heard nothing. I don't believe that's true. I think that's one of these there's crazy. A, there's a lot of sniping yeah. on, on yeah. Tesla. They're, yeah. they're a threat, biggest disruptor in the car business in history. So yeah. there's a lot of negative. Are smoke. they referring to the latest collapse yeah. uh, or, the, or Juno Beach? Uh, the one in uh, uh, the one, yeah, like Champlain, the Champlain Towers. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Okay, uh, let's wrap it up. We'll get to these next week, and we have a mystery shopping report. Okay, okay. ladies and gentlemen, uh, remember that you too can vote for the mystery shopping report just uh, by texting us. And uh, also, with all of these prices uh, that we talked about this morning, uh, go to Earl on Cars. Uh, I have a affidavit there that you can download. Uh, my little invention of out the door price, and uh, that will secure and reassure you uh, that you are going to get the price that uh, they said, you know, it, it was right there. So the affidavit will help you out. Uh, like I said, text us with your rating on the Mystery Shopping Report at 772-497-6530. Now, Stu, um, Earl, ready. Mystery Shopping Report. I know sometimes you wonder how we select the Mystery Shopping Targets. This was unique. Uh, Wall Street Journal. This is uh, Wednesday's Wall Street Journal. There was an article that said, more vehicles sell above their sticker price. So I read that and come to find out that one of our customers was quoted in the article. And I'll just read what it said. Um, I was shocked, said Ken Baird, a 61-year-old Boca Raton resident who was recently shopping for a Kia Telluride. The window sticker on the particular model he was looking at read 45000 And he said he offered to pay $3,000 over that, knowing the vehicle was in high demand. So he's trying to be cooperative. But the dealership wanted $10,000 above the original sticker. Uh, they said, I'll oh get the 55000 from someone else. That was Mr. Beard quoted in the Wall Street Journal. So uh, I asked Stu, I said, that sounds like a familiar name. Stu says, yeah, he's That's our customer. Guy. So yeah. we uh, used that to shop, and we shopped Phil Smith Kia in Lighthouse Point, which is in the Fort Lauderdale, South Florida area. We went back to the dealership that had charged uh, $10,000 over sticker price for a Kia Telluride. <clears throat> we had, he had told us the story because he had he came in yeah. and uh, we, we knew all about it yeah. uh, ahead of time, so that's why it rang a bell because we had been talking yeah. about this yeah. this price gouging. The unprecedented inventory shortage facing the automobile industry and the way car dealers are exploiting it will only get worse before it gets better. As a matter of fact, I predict that even after supplies begin returning to normal, we will see dealers continue to price gouge as long as they can, until competition reigns them in again. Competition is your friend, folks, and uh, it will happen. Prices will be coming back on, into line pretty soon, next two or three months. There's never been a more impactful justification for fleecing customers than the empty car lots encountered by the shopper when they arrive at the dealership. You walk into a car lot and you don't see any cars, you know you're in trouble. So this is what the dealers are using to uh, justify charging you as we say in the trade, all the money. As I said over and over on this show, higher prices are the legitimate result of a low supply. That's Economics 101. Our issue here at Earl & Cars is the excessive profit grab happening in most car dealers nationwide. I mean, it's like everything else. Sticker is a lot of money. MSRP is a lot of money. When a car dealer sells a car to MSRP, He's making a lot of money. When you sell it $10,000 over sticker, you have to say, You're making obscene. where is there a line? 
And it's not illegal, by the way. You can charge a million dollars over a sticker because MSRP suggested, it suggested, it's not mandatory. At some point, supplies will recover, lots will fill cars, and dealers will once again uh, compete for customers by driving prices down. And you just have to stick in there, hang in there, and it's going to happen. Wait. But before the party comes to an end, expect car dealers to try to extend the days of wine and roses for as long as they can. And we have another mixed metaphor. Well, I noted that in the report yes, you for did. you. Yes. In the meantime, you're going to see some of the most unapologetic price gouging ever. Like we did when we spoke with a customer who told us of his attempt to buy a new Kia Telluride at Phil Smith Kia this last month. Ken ended up, uh, Ken, this customer, ended up purchasing a new Highlander from my dealership after experiencing thermonuclear sticker shock at Phil Smith. The dealer wanted $10,000 over MSRP, unashamedly, $10,000 over MSRP. Wow. The deal was so outrageous that a story was featured in a Wall Street Journal article last week. I just showed you that, that paper Wednesday. Ken came to Phil Smith Kia expecting to pay a, a lot. He was educated about the current inventory situation, but he did not have the convenience of waiting it out. He needed an SUV right now, and he he was asking for it. He even offered three thousand. He knew he, he knew he had to pay too much, so he said, "I'll pay you three thousand dollars over MSRP," and they wouldn't even take that. They held the line at ten thousand dollars over. We sent Agent Lightning in to see if Ken's situation was a fluke. It's possible that he ran into a very aggressive salesman who was hell bent on getting all the money. We've learned over the years that the type of experience at any one dealership varies widely, even on the same day. That's what makes it so nightmarish. I mean, you know, there's no consistency. You go into like McDonald's and you get the same hamburger over and over again. You go into a car dealership, you can be trashed, you attacked. You never know what you want to get. You can love the salesperson, you can get a good deal, you can get a terrible deal. It's like spinning a, a chamber on a, on a revolver and playing Russian roulette. I struggled to see, this is our, the report, I struggled to figure out what new Telluride's were available and how they were being listed on philsmithkia.com. There were no prices or MSRPs listed. You know you're in trouble right now, there. Now, on the rest of their cars, there were. So yeah. on all the just off the Telluride's. Just on Telluride's. Yeah. And apparently Telluride's a hot vehicle. I was talking before the show and, and Rick says, yeah, I don't know why, but it's a cool looking vehicle and yeah. high demand, so they're getting all the money. Um, no prices and didn't even know if they were in stock. The other new car in Phil Smith's depleted inventory had prices. For some reason, the Telluride's were being trained differently, and we know why. I called the dealership to get clarification. I spoke with a woman at the dealership and explained the difficulty I was having. I said I needed to know if they had a 2022 Kia Telluride SX in stock. And we're seeing a lot of 2022s in Kias, aren't we? Yeah. And it was last week that we saw the same thing. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. Most of the other models are 2021s, but they're, they're halfway through the year. It's, they're popping it's, up. They're coming. Um, and uh, with a price of around 45000 I said I was driving down from West Palm Beach to uh, Lighthouse Point, which, as I said, is the Fort Lauderdale area. I didn't want to waste any time. 
The woman told me uh, that uh, they did have some in stock, the Tellurides. I asked her what the MSRP looked like on those. She replied, I thought this was cute, she's not allowed to give our prices on the phone. Hmm. I'd have to come in for that. I mean, that's old, old school. Can you imagine any other right. store telling you that? I'm sorry I can't tell you how much that Apple iPhone is. I'll tell you after I have you bound and chained <laughs> to the chair in front of my desk. I said I want to know if the MSRP was around 45000 because the vehicle I researched and settled on had a 45000 MSRP. So I said, I was asking you to tell me there's, I'm not asking you to tell me your selling price, just tell me the MSRP so I can identify the car I want. She put me on hold to check, she returned to call and said they did have a few uh, with MSRPs in that $45,000 range. I took my husband along, Agent Lightning, took my husband along for the mission. He was very excited to participate, boned up on his Telluride product knowledge before departing for Lighthouse Point. We got there at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m., parked, walked around the lot looking for the Tellurides. We found a cluster of four 2022s, all with MSRPs in my range. We picked one with an MSRP of 46105 we were inspecting different vehicles when the salesperson walked over, approached my husband. He introduced himself as Stephen. My husband told him we were there to uh, take, on, take home a new Telluride. I walked over and he introduced me to Stephen. I stayed uh, largely quiet as my husband uh, discussed the Telluride with Stephen, who was impressed with how much he knew about the vehicle. Uh, Stephen then pivoted to the issue at hand, the inventory shortage, and its effect on prices. He tapped the Monroni label with his index finger and said he wanted to be upfront. You gotta, you gotta hand it to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, about pricing, uh, so our expectations were in line with reality. He told us to expect to pay $10,000 to 12,000. Just bought me another two mm -hmm. over MSRP for the Telluride. He referred to the MSRP as the suggested price, which it is, legally. Mm -hmm. My husband was shocked and asked Stephen how this could possibly be. Stephen then re-emphasized that the sticker price was only a suggestion, and we would be looking at a price of at least $56,000 plus <laughs> taxes and fees, plus hidden fees. Okay, this is getting more and more outrageous as we go along. Oh, yeah. I asked them if they had any 2021 models and if we could uh, get a better deal on one of those. Stephen said that they had one 2021 left and it's parked on the showroom floor. He said that the pricing would be structured the same over MSRP. I, suggest, I suggested, but he says it's, a left, it's an older leftover model. You gotta wonder why, the last one. Oh no, no, that's what Agent Lightning said. Oh, Agent Lightning, She's yeah. like, like, why is it? You know, yeah, it's older. yeah. Steve said he didn't matter that, that even their used cars were selling for more than their new counterparts, which is uh, strangely true. If you're buying a used car today, be sure to compare the new car price and vice versa, because it's a crazy yeah. world out there. I, I demand low supply on new and used. Uh, my husband and I acknowledged that we were buying a car at the wrong time, so when you were your eyes open, but we had no other option. We needed it now. I saw I suggested we proceed, and Stephen began his presentation. He was really working for the $10,000 premium. 
He went over everything in detail. This was the most comprehensive demonstration I've gotten so far. Stephen was also very aware that my husband was practically an expert on the vehicle. After the presentation, Stephen fetched a license plate. We took the telly ride for a spin. I sat in the back, Stephen climbed into the passenger seat and uh, let my husband drive. After a long test drive, we returned to the dealership, entered the showroom, found Stephen's office. We went through the usual information, gathering sales, to, uh, and then Stephen left to speak with the sales manager. Don't know why. Price is the price is the price, right? He returned less than five minutes with a sparse looking worksheet. Selling price was 46, 875, 770 over MSRP. Then there was the 425 government fees, 1360 processing document fee, hidden fee. After that came the big one, <laughs> $10,000 market adjustment. So it's, it's way over $10,000 over his Oh, yeah. Way over. Then they added $3,500 in sales tax. I assume that's legitimate. My husband told Stephen we uh, pre- You miss how, how much over them, Mr. P, they really were. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Out the door price, 60, <laughs> I can't say it, $62,204. Phil Smith Key was charging $12,130 over MSRP. Unbelievable. Stephen said in all honesty that the Telegrides will be priced as high everywhere and if we didn't act quickly, this is the one that will be sold and sold for the same price he's offering us now. And he told the shopper that we had, that uh, we eventually sold a car to, that it was interviewed in the Wall Street Journal, same thing. And just think of the money they're making. Hand over fist. Yeah, hand over fist. Uh, I asked about the processing dock fee as if it mattered. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, those I mean, it almost least of your worries. Inconsequential. <laughs> Nine ninety nine. who cares? I mean... You just popped it uh, so far over MSRP. This is a, a new high for us. Uh, we sat there for quietly for a minute or two holding uh, worksheets. Stephen didn't say anything either. Maybe he was observing the whole the old sales axiom, whoever talks first loses. And he didn't care because he's telling the truth. Somebody's going to walk in the door and pay the price. So they're going to get it and they hold your feet to the fire. Finally, I spoke and said, as much as I love this vehicle, I can't find a way to just justify spending 62000 on a $46,000 car. As soon as we drive off the lot, uh, we'll be crushed by depreciation. And Stephen surprisingly agreed. He said it'll take a big, t- a big hit when it came time to trade. So that's the other thing you forget about today. Mm. Uh, and uh, 22s are out. Wow, 2022. He then pivoted back to the justifying the price by saying it was not uncommon for high demand, low supply vehicles to command prices like these. He used the Chevy Tahoe and the Chevy Corvette as examples. Who would have thought the Kia Telluride would be compared to a Chevrolet Corvette? Uh, even in normal times, they go for ten thousand to fifteen thousand over sticker. That's not really true. And not not for the Telluride, no. And and not for like every Corvette, maybe no, like some no. special one. My husband looked at me and said, "It's up to you, babe." I nodded, looked at Steve, and said, "I'm sorry. Uh, you've been very helpful and spent a lot of time with us, but I just can't do it." And you have to say he was. It wasn't sneaky. He wasn't. He wasn't sneaky. No, no he wasn't sneaky. And. 
You know, you can make an argument for supply and demand. As long as you're totally honest and you say, I can sell to somebody else for the price, that's the capitalist system. Now, yeah. is it honest to not put any information that could give the consumer no. on their website? No, that was Force sneaky. them to come down. That was sneaky. Yeah. That was sneaky. Yeah. And, uh, and you know when they won't tell you the price. It's like how many times have you walked on Worth Avenue and you look at the prices in the jewelry window and there's no prices. What does that tell you? It's like looking on a menu and it says MP instead yeah. of a dollar figure. If you don't put any price or no price, you know you're asking for a fat price. Right. And that's what that's what happened here. So here we are. Uh, interesting story. Did you see the uh, estimated gross uh, profit that they would have made? Yeah. Yeah, Stu did this, uh, and that's a lot of gross. Uh, we used to call them slam dunks. But... This is, four, you, this is four. It's a mega dunk. Isn't that what we used to call it? This is beyond them? a mega dunk. This is 4.25 <laughs> times higher than a slam dunk. <laughs> $17,000 profit, folks. That's a lot of money. You don't have to sell many Tellurides nah. to make a nice well, profit. Well, Stephen, that would yeah. probably be about a $4,250 yeah. commission to him. Yeah. Nancy and I were watching uh, CNBC the other day, and Becky Quick, one of the reporters on there, interviewed uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, and our. Uh, interview and uh they're you know Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger's his partner. Uh Charlie Munger said this, car dealerships are coining money. Now he's an old guy. What he meant was printing money. And they own a, a chain of dealerships, Berkshire Hathaway. Uh Deerfield Toyota is one of them in South Florida, but they own the Van Nuys group. There's fifteen, twenty dealerships. So when Charlie Munger and Warren Hathaway Warren Buffett say uh, we're making a lot of money. Uh, everybody's making a lot of money because they, they're fair. I mean, they're charging supply and demand figures, and that's what they're getting. All the car dealers are making money hand over fist today. So uh, get used to it. And if you want to participate, buy a car today. If you don't want to participate, wait till November, December, and you'll get a much better deal. Yep. Grades are coming in. Linda says, wow, time to vote the big, huge F. Um, and it's a little, it's a mixed bag here. Um, Bob uh, says C for Phil Smith, Kia, take it or leave it. Jonathan Wellington says flat out F, scammer. I hope his door is shut soon. <laughs> and I am, I'm going to give him a D plus. I don't like the, uh, the mystery on the website forces people to drive an hour down to find out that the car is being sold for 10,000 over a sticker. That's, that's dumb. But like you said, it is take it or leave it. Go somewhere else or wait. Rick? I've got Karen with an F, Negan with a triple F. Uh, let's see, we got a whole list of them here. Negan's cheating on me? Bro scientist <laughs> with an F, Mark Anderson, F, uh, Tom with an F, MAV, straight up robbery, F minus, TJH, F minus, Mark Smith, <laughs> F. We had a lot of Fs. Uh, John Strine says, price, classic price gouging, F. Where does Earl Stewart stand on selling new cars presently in regards to MSRP? Uh, Brian with an F. Uh, let's see, Mark Ryan, F minus. Wayne with an F. And myself, I'm going to agree with Stu on the D minus, but I'll go to the minus. I, 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 I did answer plus. the Earl Stewart question. We, we, don't have, we no. sold this customer the car for MSRP. No, we didn't? no, no, no. That's no. what it said in the article. 
Oh, she got that wrong. We okay. don't have any cars priced at MSRP right now. Okay. Um, I think it was probably might have been five hundred dollars off. But we MSRP have we have sold cars at MSRP a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, when when the super first came out, yeah. the first couple. Um, yeah. And but typically we yeah, don't. But, yeah. but I, to full disclosure, we do re re react to supply and demand, our and our prices, prices are, are higher. Oh yeah, yeah. Today. Nancy, your score. Well. I don't have enough time to go through it all, so um, I'm going to concentrate on the fact that, you know, there's not a whole lot of consumers that realize that once you drive off that lot, <laughs> it's a whole new ball game. Depreciation, I give it an F. I pass him with a C minus. Yeah, it's the same thing as a D plus. We gave him the same grade. <laughs> oh. Well, next week, remember, we will be. Uh, Continuing the, the expose on Kia Telluride pricing up in Orlando. Don't know the dealership yet. We're leaving that up to Agent Lightning. Um, she's going up this weekend, and I can't wait. Yes, most definitely. We always have a fantastic show. My hat is off to Agent Lightning. Yes, and I have one little thing. I'd like to give a shout-out to Lorraine Sabatella, who is the mother of my best friend. She listens to the show every Saturday. Is oh. that right? Hey, Lorraine. Oh, hi, Lorraine. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time, and stay tuned next week. We'll be right back here. Have a blessed and wonderful 4th of July and a safe 4th of July. Right. Oh.